Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, Genesis. Uh, good to be with you guys. It's good to have some people here. It, it reminds me that we really are a community to see you guys again and to let you guys know we are planning on opening up, even as was shared in the announcements, uh, on November 15th, we are going to open up. It is going to look a little bit different. We are going to be wearing masks. We do have masks available. We do have hand sanitizer available. And we are having the place cleaned regularly so that it is going to be sanitized. We are also going to be having the children meet, but it's going to be different. It's not going to be an actual uh, children's class as it was before. It's going to be almost like a group class where the kids are doing crafts and the parents can sit in there with the kids while we stream live on the video over in the works building. And this is so that we can start to see who's going to be coming and what it's going to look like. And as we start doing that, we'll be able to kind of move and shape things along in the future. But you can start coming again November 15th. Mark that in your calendars. We are spacing the chairs uh, apart, and we'll be able to fit as many people as we can here comfortably. If need be, we'll have some uh, chairs outside as well as in the works building. So between all this, we are going to start meeting. We are taking the precautions. We are going to be wearing masks and those things. We do want to be safe and let everyone know that we are concerned but we do want to start meeting, and so mark that on your calendars. Also, the following Sunday, the 22nd, we are actually going to have a grand opening for the Genesis Works building as well. And so if you need a place to work, if you are tired of being in the closet with the kids screaming and you need a place to do some work, talk to us about a workspace. We have one for you guys. Again, we are trying to move forward in the things that we were wanting to do eight months ago, something like that. So that's happening. And I hope you guys will join us in these things. And then we also have the human library that is going to be taking place and more information on that as things develop. But anyway, glad you are here joining us this morning. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about tsunamis, fish and snakes, (laughs) testing fire sprinklers, and dancing in prison. You guys ready? Okay. Mark chapter 4. We're going to start Mark chapter 4. Jesus speaking and he said, or talking here and it says, On that day when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, Let us go 
across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The past month, I've been talking about what faith looks like. That faith is really trust. And that believing in God isn't having an intellectual understanding, but it is a reliance on God. We've also been talking about how faith is all in. It is like diving into the ocean and saying, I am committed. But a faith that is committed also needs to come up for air. In other words, we need to be strengthened by God's spirit. He needs to breathe into us again and again and again, that there is a, a resurrection that takes place in our lives and there's also a death that has to occur so that the resurrection can come once again. And it's that breathing of life into us that we need to live this life of faith. We've also talked that what we do is we believe in a God who looks like Jesus. That's how our understanding as followers of Christ is. We want to know what God is like, and so we know that God looks like Jesus, which means he, he loves the way Jesus loved. He cares the way Jesus cared. He was involved with the people that Jesus was involved with. That's how we get an understanding of, of what God is like. And then we talked last week about how if God is going to meet and strengthen us, it's only going to happen in the present where we really are and with who we really are that God doesn't meet us in our ego. He doesn't meet us in a facade, that hypocrisy was the thing that Jesus warned his disciples about. And so if we are gonna encounter God, we have to be genuine and it has to happen in the present. It doesn't happen in the past and it's not something that we wait for in the future. It happens here, now, who we really are. And that's where we are starting here because in this faith, there are times that we have questions or, or we question God. We, we see it in, in John 11 where Martha and Mary both come to Jesus after their brother Lazarus has died. And they said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Like, why weren't you here? And in this story, we have a situation where the waves are just overcoming the boat and they wake Jesus up and they say, don't you care that we are perishing? Talk about being honest. Have you ever felt that way? Jesus, why don't you care about what's happening 
to me, to someone I love, to the situation that we're going through. Have you ever felt that way about God? Why don't you do something? Because that's really at the heart of this question. You know, who cares if God is all-powerful if God isn't good? And who cares if God is good if God doesn't care? And the question really becomes, God, do you care? Do you care about us? Do you care about the people that we love, the, the things that we're going through, right? And so if it looks like we're perishing, is God still good? If it looks like we're going under, does God still care? And in this story, we have the great outcome, right? Jesus calms the wind and talks to the sea and everything's good. And I'd love to have been there and it would have been a awesome moment and I would have been like the disciples who is this guy but it would have been a story to tell the kids and the grandkids and everything ended well but that isn't always the case what about the tsunami in Japan where 15,000 people died or the tsunami in 2004 where 225,000 people died What about the people we know and we love and we care about who've died of cancer? I was thinking just about the people who've been a part of our community. I remember when Cynthia Wheat died of cancer. I remember how it affected me as seeing her as part of the family and having that helpless feeling. There's nothing I can do to stop this. There's Terry Wells, died of cancer. Margie's cousin, Marnie, my mom. And right now, Colleen is battling cancer and we need to continue praying for her. And the question arises up within me, God, do you care that we're perishing? Do you care that we're dying? Do you care that my sister is in beds, on medication, suffering. We want to know if God cares. And so we ask. And Jesus meets us there. He doesn't just abandon us. Sometimes the answers aren't as clear as we'd want. Sometimes the Wind doesn't stop and the ocean isn't calm. But Jesus does encourage us to meet him. There's another passage in Luke 11 where Jesus says, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Right? Jesus is is telling us, I I want you to come to me with everything. I, I want you to ask. I want you 
to, to seek. I want you to knock. Because he says God is going to be found. Now, he doesn't say what's going to happen, but he says that God is going to be encountered. And then he goes on in verse 13. He goes on with this comparison. If you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now, now the word evil that is there is an interesting word. It it can mean a lot of things. It can mean envious. It, It can mean covetousness. It could mean that you're unsound, right? Jesus used it in another Example where a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree brings forth bad fruit. That word bad, it could be diseased. It's the same word. So this word evil is a word that means kind of inactive. It doesn't have depth. It isn't solid. It's hollow. And so he's saying if you have little substance or or this sturdy foundation. If you have a a sickness, but still care for your kids, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He starts with probably the strongest inclination that we have. The, the love a parent has for a child. It, it's, again, probably one of the, the strongest compelling emotions. I mean, we hear stories of parents who do incredible things to help their children. I, I, it's, I, of course, there's you know, situations that are exceptions, but for the majority of people, they will do anything for their kids. It is what compels us as parents to give of ourselves to our kids over and over and over again. And this is where he starts. He starts with this kind of comparison. If you care this much and you are lacking, know that God cares more. You love God loves more. You're concerned, God is concerned even more so. And this is so true in so many things, right? I mean, you are upset with injustice. God more. You want mercy for your children. God wants more. It's kind of funny. You see, We want mercy for our children, but we want justice for someone else's children. We don't see them as being someone else's children if it's unjust towards us. God sees both. God wants both. God wants justice not only for those people. He wants mercy for those people. God wants mercy for us and he wants justice in us. God wants more more than us. The point is that if we desire what is good, even in our unsound condition, God does even more. God wants more than me. God loves more than me. 
God is merciful more than me. God is patient more than me. When I, I see mercy and I see love and it moves me to know that God is even more, moves me even deeper. That there is a depth in this that is unfathomable to us. And so again, the cry, God, do you care that we're perishing? Well, do you care? Yes, I care. It makes me weep. It makes me cry. God does more. And then brings up another question in this story of if your child asks for a fish, do you give him a serpent? The kid's asking for food, and then Jesus says, how much more will I give the Holy Spirit? It's like, why are you giving the Holy Spirit when he's asking for food? Don't you want to give him fish? You see, there's something more that's taking place. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. When he's saying that God gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask, he's saying that God gives his self, his life to those who will ask. You see, that's what I need in the circumstance where I don't understand what I, I don't need are answers because sometimes those answers aren't enough. They will elude me. Sometimes the the news will not be good. Sometimes the tsunami's coming. Sometimes the cancer takes over. But what I do need is the life of God present in the circumstance that I'm going through. And that's what Jesus is wanting to give. He's wanting to give us more than just the bread. He's wanting to give us life in the circumstance that we find ourselves in. And that's what I need, that's what we need. That's the more. I know as a parent, there have been times where I've wanted to give my kids more. I've wanted to give them bread, but they were really asking for a stone. I've wanted to give them life and they wanted a, a toxic relationship. There's times where I've wanted to step in to help in areas that I can see, but maybe they couldn't. How much more God with us in the life that we are trying to live in the circumstances that are changing that we don't have control over? How much more is God wanting to do this? We see throughout scripture that he longs to gather us with his wings as a hen protects her chicks. That he's working to ease our burdens, to give us peace and rest. That he's always with us and has given his spirit to accomplish his work. He has given us his spirit as an advocate, as a counselor, that Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father. Again, this is symbolic that's saying Jesus is there with God to do the work of God on our behalf. Understanding that God cares more about things than we do isn't the conclusion. That's not like, okay, 
That's all I need. That's the starting point. That's where we can begin to step into the more that God is wanting to give. It's not like, oh, God just cares more. That's what we need. No, God cares more. So that's where we start stepping in to this dynamic of a relationship so that we can actually receive the more that he wants to give. So this is the starting point. When I used to work in construction, I I was installing fire sprinklers. And when we'd put a system in, we would have to test the system to make sure it was sound. And so we'd fill the system with water and then we'd pump it up to 200 PSI, pounds per square inch. And we'd have to leave it there for a day to make sure there were no leaks. And it was always a scary thing, especially if it was existing construction, right? New construction, okay, if it leaks somewhere, it's gonna fall in the concrete, no big deal. I was working at a job in Century City. It was in a high rise and the foreman of the job said, I think we're good. Go ahead and fill up the system. And I said, well, what about these outlets here? They're open. He goes, oh, they're not connected to the system. It's no problem. So we turned on the system and all of a sudden you would hear this this whistling noise, and we knew what it was coming. But the water was going to come out so fast that there was no way we could... In fact, we had to use walkie-talkies. We were like, shut it down, shut it down. I felt like, you know, Spock or something in Star Trek, you know. (laughs) Shut it down, Scotty, you know. (laughs) And water just started gushing out of these pipes and flooded the floor where we were at. And the floor we were at was over the parking lot where they parked their Mercedes and Rolls Royces and the water seeped down and just covered these cars in this oil water that was just atrocious. And there's this fear I'd get. It's like PTSD. We're filling up the system and I'd be like, oh God, please let there be no leaks. Please let all the outlets be plugged. Let all the valves be sealed. Let all the heads be in their proper place. Let it all be sound. Sometimes what's happening in our lives is we are thinking we have to manage it all. Because we don't understand that God cares more than us. And so we step in to try and control it all. You guys know what it's like to try and control everything? All right, if you're a parent, you know what it's like. But most of us do this. And there, there's... Disorders, right? OCD, it's a whole, you know, this, I have this control issue or codependency. I I want to make sure everything is working. And we can do this in life. We're, We're feeling that we're having to control everything. You know, about half the people in this country are gonna be very upset on November 4th. because things did not go the way they had wanted it to go. And there's going to be this sense of anger. There's going to be a, a needing to blame. There's going to be accusations of fraud. There is going to be, you know, uh, 
foreign involvement that is causing problems, you know, the coercion and disruption. I mean, we're already hearing this on both sides, right? And I'm not saying these things aren't true. They probably are. But there's going to be a lot of weight on people because things did not go the way they wanted to control them to go. And what can happen is there can be a forgetting that God cares more. That God still wants to do something. And if this happens and you're on the side that lost, remember that God cares more. Remember what is good for the people is what God is still wanting to do. And the church is still God's wisdom to a rebellious and struggling world. And the church is located in China, in Syria, and in both parties in the U.S. That even though it might feel like you're perishing, God cares more. And God is still doing. God's desire remains in giving you the kingdom. Jesus told us in Luke, and an election will not stop this. See, discipleship is not about control, but is simply responding to what we notice God is doing whenever God is doing it. So God is going to be doing something today as well as tomorrow as well as next month. God is still doing things. We need to be aware of what God is doing and then what we want to do is step into that. If God cares about more important things more than we do, then we learn how to consent to God's activity instead of attempting to control the desired outcomes. I want to say that again. We learn how to consent to God's activity instead of attempting to control the desired outcomes. We must learn a posture that's a way of living in the world that is more about consent to what God is doing than control to what we want to see done. And and that's where faith is coming in. Faith is living in a life that God does know more, care more, loves more, and so I want to consent my life, my will, to what God is wanting to do instead of controlling it to make it become what I want it to become. That's not hard, not easy. That's hard. Because I, I usually think what I want is right instead of wanting to see what God is doing that might be better. There's a story in Matthew 11 where John the Baptist is in prison. And John's disciples go to Jesus and his disciples and they say, are you the one or should we wait for someone else? I mean, if you're the one, do you know where I am? Do you know that I am perishing? Do you see my condition? Do you understand that I am about to lose my head? 
And Jesus answered them, Matthew 11, verse 4, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. Now, Jesus is quoting two places in Isaiah, Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 61. These are a list of things that the Messiah was supposed to do, was to come in and do these things. These were the evidences of the work of the Messiah. And so Jesus is giving to John's disciples the evidence that they're wanting, but he leaves out something very important. There is something obviously missing in these two lists that Jesus does not bring up. You know what it is? In Isaiah 61, it says, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. He doesn't include that. And then he tells the disciples of John, And blessed is the one who is not offended in me. What do we do when we are in that place and the word is coming out that is good news and that is evidence that God cares more, but what is left out is the deliverance that I am wanting for my situation. What do I do then? And Jesus says, blessed is the one who's not offended in me. In other words, do you understand that God still cares more? Do you understand that even though it feels like you are perishing, and maybe you actually are, like John was, And like so many of the people we know and love have been, that God cares more. And he's saying, don't be offended. In other words, don't let these circumstances blind you to the truth of what I am actually doing, that I am present. I am bringing you the spirit. I am bringing life into a situation where death looks like it's overcoming Remember, he is the God of resurrection, the God of life. People, life is not a formula. A formula where you figure out the right way to do it. Life is a dance you participate in. John had to learn how to move with what God was doing where he was at. Now, I I don't know how to dance, right? I I don't know much about dancing. But I do know that in some forms of dance, there's a person who leads and there's a person who follows. And when it's done right, you can't even tell it's happening. You see people dancing and it seems so fluid. You don't understand what's going on. But the people who are dancing, they are in tune with what's happening. And the one who's leading, it might be just a a little pull of the arm or of the waist. It might be a lean of the shoulder that's a signal. Oh, you're going this way. I'm going with you. It might be the backing up, which means I'm backing with you. There is a, a connection that is taking place in this dance where wherever the leader moves, you follow along. And if you do it well, 
well. It's beautiful. And that's what we are invited into. That's the continuation. When we understand that God cares more, then what we're going to do is lean into his leading so that when he moves, we move. And when he says pray, we pray. And when he says weep, we weep. And when he says be still, we will be still because we believe that he cares more and he is still leading and I will not be offended in him when things do not go my way because I see this much of a picture that is this big and I understand that I am unsound. And if I care and if I love, how much more does he? We need to learn how to pay attention and enter into what God is doing. How to hold on with an open hand so that God is able to give and God is able to take. We need to pay attention. And sometimes paying attention means not being so blinded by our own thinking. The psalmist said, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Now, I don't usually trust in chariots and horses aren't a big deal to me. But you see, these are the symbols that the psalmist is writing about of power and control. These are the symbols of those who will take by force. These are the symbols of those who use might and strength and coercion to bring about control of what they want. And the psalmist is saying, there are people who trust in their ability to have power and take control of circumstances, but we're different. We will remember the name of the Lord, our God. We will remember that there is a God in heaven who cares enough about us to give us his son, to be an example to us of how to live. And as we love, as a parent loves his children and will not give him a serpent when he asks for a fish, God is going to give us more. And this is the life of faith. It's not easy and it doesn't have answers and it is anything but under control. I have not had control over my life since I can't remember when. I'm just used to not being in control. It's kind of the new normal. Even though I keep trying to get control. I want to trust in those horses. I want to trust in those chariots. I want to trust in that job. I want to trust in this system. I want to trust in this, whatever else it is. And God keeps bringing me back. Saying, blessed is the one who's not offended in me. Some trust in these things, but we, we remember that life is more than bread and things that we get. Life is more. And what God is inviting us into is more. Let's pray. Father, I confess to you that it is hard to let go of control. 
I confess to you that I get upset with people who disagree with me. And Lord, though I want mercy from you, it's hard for me to extend it towards others. And you remind me time and time again, as kind as I might try to be, you are kinder still. As merciful as I want to be, you are more merciful still. As forgiving as I need to be, you are more forgiving still. And so, Lord, I I want to dance following you and your lead in life. I I want to be so close to you that my step is right behind yours. I want to feel the nuance of your spirit move me to places where I can bring that life to others. Lord, we need that. We desire that. We pray you would give us that. And Lord, I know that there are Many of us who are struggling are in a place where letting go is so hard. It's what we've been brought up doing. It's all we know how to do. And so I pray for those who are there just encountering this maybe realization for the first time and are feeling like it's time to let go. It's time to give this control over to God this worry for my family, this concern about things I I can't control, that we need to be blessed because we trust in you. And we not put off because things aren't going our way. So, Lord, if there is anyone there listening who needs to hear this right now, help them to follow your lead, to let go, to be like John and follow after you, to be like the disciples, to hear your voice even though they feel they are perishing. May you bring calm into the lives of those who will reach out to you. And if anyone there has felt this pull and would like prayer for the steps that are following, please reach out to us. Please encounter us through email or come on a Sunday and talk to me, talk to us. But take the steps necessary. Follow the lead of the Lord. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. May you choose consent over control. May you follow your Father's leading and not be offended by His words and plan for you. God bless you guys. Love you. Have a wonderful day. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you 
for listening.